might need a couple of Christmas beers to get through this episode. I better be a mad elf because I'm going to need some high ABVs <laughs> on this one. Did you destroy anything on the side? I didn't. I was I was calm. Were you really? Or did you yell or do something? I didn't really do anything. <laughs> That's weak. What do you want me to do? Run on the field and start getting in the middle of things? I... Come on! Come on! Let's go! We need to stop here! Let's go, guys! Welcome into a very depressed lounge. A, I'm Ryan Mink. I'm Garrett Downing. It's a sad state of affairs in here. Go ahead. You might need a couple of Christmas beers to get through this episode. I better be a mad elf because I'm going to need some high ABVs <laughs> on this one. I'll tell you what, Garrett. Uh, was not a great Christmas. The only good thing about Christmas, and this really speaks to who I am, is all of my gifts this year were beer. My brother <laughs> got me a lot of beer. My wife got me a lot of beer. It really says something. Maybe that was a little bit of foreshadowing. Are you? Gonna, is there going to be any left after the end of this tape? It might be gone by the end of this. <laughs> by the end of this episode, here we go. Let's crack one open. Yeah, we need to. Uh, tough. Obviously, you know the game against Pittsburgh. Playoff hopes are dashed, um, and there's going to be. It's going to be a long off season. We're going to be talking about, and it's crazy when you think about it. it really comes down to about six inches. But we're going to be talking about everything, top to bottom, uh, with this game, and we're going to be dissecting it honestly for the next you know six months. Yeah. Here. And the podcast will go nowhere, by the way. The lounge will continue in the offseason. We've been renewed. We have, <laughs> we have been renewed. Yeah, the lounge is going to continue in the offseason. Probably go from two a week that we do in the season, but we're going to probably drive it down to one a week. Yes. And we'll continue with interviews. You know, there's still a whole bunch of people we haven't talked to, not just players, but also people like Eric DaCosta, people on the scouting side. And we do want to get Harbs on here. We do want to get Harbs on here. Um, so there's going to be plenty to discuss in the off season. So don't go anywhere. We're going to have a lot to talk about over the next few months. Starting with that, uh, let's kick it off with a question, audio question. Happy to get one uh, from Brendan Peters from Stratford, Connecticut. Mother, God, son of a, God, I can't. <sighs> Sorry, guys, got went through a tunnel there. Hopefully, you got all that. Short-term listener, first-time caller. Um, my email, uh, I'm just confused. Who, who, who do we, who do we blame? Who do we blame at the end of the season? I mean, if you have a bad quarterback, do you blame the offensive line? Uh, do you blame the receivers and then vice versa? Even if the offense does something, do you blame the defense? Piss poor tackling. Um, I don't know. I'm a glass case of emotion right now. Trying to take advantage of your call-in questionnaire, if you will. So my main question is, who's to blame? Oh, thanks for the question, Brandon. Uh, funny the service cut out there in a little bit. It's <laughs> through the tunnel. Conveniently. Yeah, how about that? Uh, also, just to mention to everybody before we answer uh, his question, uh, you can send in your audio questions or just email whatever you prefer to the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. we got a ton of emails. It's tough to get to all of them, but we want you guys to know we read them. We do read all of them. We try we to respond. respond to a lot of them. Yeah, we try to respond to as many as we can, so thank you for sending those. So the question Brandon poses is, who is to blame? Which I think is a natural question uh, when the Ravens don't make the playoffs for the third time in four years. Garrett, I'll let you kick this one off. <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead. Dive right in, bud. The Who's way, to blame? You started asking the question. I thought you were going to answer it yourself. Yeah, uh, I'll let you tee off. Um, 
this sounds like the cliche answer. I don't think that it's any one person to blame. And I don't, yeah, everyone's going to want out. Yeah, everyone's going to want to put it on somebody in particular. They're they're going to want to say it's the offensive coordinators, the defensive coordinators, the head coach, the quarterback. I don't really put it on any one person in particular because if you go through the Ravens season, there's p- different people to blame at different points. There was never. You know, earlier in the year, the offense was stuck in the mud for really the first, I don't know, mostly the first three quarters of the season until that Miami game is really when it it sparked. Came together finally. Yeah, and then, but the offense played well against Miami, played well for the most part against Philly with the exception of that later interception, and put up 27 points on the road in a tough environment in Heinz Field. So, like... The offense had a pretty good game there, so you're not going to put this one all on the offense. No. Are you going to put, put it on the offense hardly at all? Okay, so now maybe you can say, well, it's the defense's fault. Defense gave up 21 points in the fourth quarter. Okay, yeah. that's fair. I right? think that's fair. Okay, but do do you even get to that point if it's not for the defense playing really, really well earlier in the season when the offense was going nowhere? Yeah, it's, it kind of it really stinks, and and I think what makes this Steelers loss so painful is that. The Ravens had a good team. They they have a good team this year, uh, and they knew it. You know the defense was really good, carried carried the team for much of the year, and then finally, what we kept saying all year long was if this offense offense can just play well, not lights out, but if it can play well, this can be a very dangerous team. And finally, the offense was doing that. Now, unfortunately, the defense kind of went the other way, and not you know not to say they're. Terrible or by any means. The pendulum swung a little bit. The pendulum though. swung. And, and right when the offense was getting it together, the defense kind of lost it. And the, the run defense in particular, but New England, Philly, Pittsburgh, last three games struggled. And I think I predicted it on mailbag. The question was, <laughs> are you concerned about the run defense going to Pittsburgh? And I yeah. was like, yeah, I am a little bit. Uh-huh. Le'Veon Bell's really, really good. And something happened with that unit down the stretch, and I don't know what it was, what it is. Um, and, and then, obviously, it all kind of came out in the 21-point fourth quarter. But to the question overall, who do you blame? I, I'm, I booed you earlier, but <laughs> I have to say the same thing. It's, it's not one easy answer. Um, and that, that's what makes it so difficult this year. And, and what's going to make our jobs difficult over the offseason is, you know, there's not one. You can't put your finger on one thing. You know, there, there are multiple issues. Injuries were a big part. I mean, that's what crippled the Ravens' season last year, but injuries over that four-game losing skid played a major part in, in why the Ravens lost four games. I and get, that was still when the offense was not playing well at all. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I, you look at the Redskins game. Yeah, I, I understand that. I guess I'm not putting too much in injuries. Last year, to me, it was injuries. You know, right. But... Well, it was injuries over those four games, I think. Particularly in the Jets game. You know, in the Jets game, you go out there and you play without so many key players. But you know what? The Steelers play games without Ben Roethlisberger this year. They play two games without Ben Roethlisberger, and they're going to the playoffs. So I think it's true. You can't blame, like, a lot. Yeah, I mean, the Ravens, in general, I don't think were a particularly unhealthy team. They didn't really have any major season enders at all. They had Ben Watson. Um, ben Watson. He was right. going to be a starter. Yes. So that's probably the most significant. You had Suggs and Yonda but, but you had your deepest position going into the year was tight end. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> and then you had Suggs and Yonda playing kind of hurt all season long and fighting through it. Yeah. But both of them still, even when they were hurt, played at high levels. Right. So, like, Every I don't think injuries. injuries. You yeah. can't say, 
oh, you know, their season was lost because of injuries. Every team has injuries. The Patriots are the best team in the AFC. Right. I'm just, saying, I'm just saying at different points of the season you had major problems. And in the beginning of the season, the offense wasn't good. Plus then you put on top of that injuries at that juncture of the season. That made them even worse. That's how you lose to a team like the Jets. That's how you lose to a team like the Redskins that you were dominating otherwise. Uh, and then late in the season – you came up against some really good teams, and I think it showed that the Ravens weren't one of the best teams. I think they were a good team this year, but they weren't, at this point, one of the best teams. And what's unfortunate is they were starting to round into that form, I think. Where, but they didn't meet. You felt bo- like they were starting to get hot at the yeah, right time. Right. In three Showtime games, three Prove It games, they lost all three of them. The Cowboys, the Patriots, and then the Steelers by six inches. But the crazy thing is, you talk about who's to blame and all that stuff. Six inches. Mm-hmm. Six inches. If, if it's not for that, then we're talking about who deserves credit for the Ravens' rebound season and going back to the playoffs, most likely. Yeah. So, six inches. Let's go through that final play because yeah. I've watched, I've tried, part of me wanted to just remove it from my memory, just completely forget it. I was standing there on the sidelines and I, and I just, it was painful watching him reach it across. I was kind of had like a, an angle right down the side there. And seeing him reach across and the reaction to Heinz Field was painful. So I tried to remove it from my memory, but I've seen it everywhere. And then when I was doing the What You Missed feature this week, I watched it probably 100 times from every different angle trying to figure out, like, is there anything that the Ravens could have done? So let's go. Let's dive into that Well, one. first of all, did you just – you're lucky you're on the field this time instead of the press box like Lee Evans so you didn't <laughs> destroy a chair. That's true. Did you destroy anything on the sideline? I didn't. I was, I was calm. Were you really? Or did you yell or do something? I didn't really do anything. Really? Uh, no. Nah, that's weak. What do you want me to do, run on the field and start getting in the middle of things? I Come on! Come on, let's go! Oh. We need to stop here! If let's go, guys! If you were a man, you would have. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, I remember after the Super Bowl season, or was it last? No, it was last year. Last year, season opener, Denver. Yeah. Crockett Gilmore in the back of the end zone. He got held on that. They, Darian Stewart picked him off and yeah. all that stuff. I was yelling my lungs out about <laughs> how Crockett got held. Where's the flat? I was flipping my. I lost it on the side. <laughs> lost it. It yeah, really did do you a lot of good, right? Yeah, they changed the call. Yeah, you know, I'm sure they wanted to ask what you thought. Yeah. All right. So the fu- that final play. Uh, here's my take on it. Is we're talking about who to blame, and I'm sorry, but I think CJ's got to make that stop. I think he just has to make that stop. Eric Weddle did just about everything he could. I mean. He's lucky he didn't get a face mask call. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he held him up, and I think you have an inside linebacker with a shot on a wide receiver of Antonio Brown's stature. He's yeah. got to drive him back in that instance. you got to pop him, and he's got to go backwards. And instead, CJ kind of bounced off, and that allowed Antonio Brown to extend the ball. I'm sorry. CJ's a great player, fantastic player. Podcast bump, everything. <laughs> but that's a play that I think CJ will, even, will look back on and say, I, I got I to make that play. I think he's going to be kicking himself for that one. That's one of those plays that I'm sure he's probably watched it 100 times, just like I haven't seen yep. the film. And he's prob- That's one that's going to haunt him, I think, for a while. Here's the crazy thing. If I had asked you, I give you the hypothetical, and I say, all right, game on the line. This is going to be the game ender. You have Eric Weddle and CJ Mosley against Antonio Brown, two versus one. And you got to get six inches. It's a matter of six inches. Which side are you taking on that? Yeah. I think pretty much, you know. I'll take the Ravens side on that. 99 times out of 100, I think that the Ravens are going to win that if you have C.J. Mosley and Eric Weddle trying to stop Antonio Brown in that yep. situation. And, um, man, 
Mosley read the play well, too. He read the play well, yep. came at it, and it looked like he just didn't really try to drive through Antonio Brown. kind of looked like he tried to tackle him and it just bounced like he off. He tried to like kind of pop him. Yeah. It and, looked like he tried to pop him back, and it didn't work. And he just he just bounced off, and then, I mean, it was a heck of a play by Brown. He's one right. of the best players Sometimes in the game. Sometimes you have to tip your cap, but I think it's a play that the Ravens should have made. Right. What do you think about this? So Harbaugh brought this up the other day, and I was thinking about it during the game, is if they get the stop there and they – tackle Antonio Brown short of the goal line. Steelers don't have any timeouts left. Right. Do you think that time runs out and the Ravens win the game? I do. I think it's going to be really close. Nine seconds is what... Nine seconds when he extended it. All right, so let's go through this. Okay. Okay, so let's say he gets tackled there. He gets pushed backwards and brought to the ground. That's probably two more seconds. So now we're at seven. Okay, so because he's getting pushed back. Whistle's got a blow. He gets down to the ground. Okay, well now we're at seven. Now they have to peel the defenders off and get the ball out of there. Okay, you've got Weddle and, and Mosley, and they're probably holding on to Antonio a little longer. They're not letting him up. You, you think they're jumping up and running back? No, I do not <laughs> think that's, that's going to be the case. So I'm going to say to get for the ref to get to the ball, okay, these are some slow refs. They might be slower than us. Okay, to the, for the ref to get to the ball, get the ball out, all that stuff, throw it to the other ref to put the ball down. That's probably three or four. Right. So let's say three. Let's go on the low end here. Okay. So now what are we down to? Four seconds. Right, four seconds. Okay. Now the Steelers have to all get lined up. Okay. And they're probably going to be on the line waiting for the ball. They're probably going to, for the most part. They're... For the most part, they're not that far. I mean, they're yeah. on the four-yard line. But still, they got to get in position. Okay. Let's say that takes another three. Now there's one second. Na- that's quick. That yeah. is super quick. There's one second. When you snap the ball, you still have to spike the ball. It's it, The clock stops when the ball hits the ground. Yeah. That takes at least a second. So if you snap the ball if and there's one second left. one second on the clock. Now there's... It, it, right. It, when the ball hits the ground, it's zeros. Yeah. So that's game over. That's game over. And, and, we're, and we're playing it conservative, I think, yeah. here at the time. Yeah. Because it, he very well, it, I could have seen it be a situation where CJ and uh, Weddle kind of push him back, and they're fighting there for a few yards. That could right. That the could refs be, don't want to like blow it dead immediately. They don't want to like yeah. yeah th- that tussle, that tussle could take three or four seconds yeah. potentially. Yeah, yeah. Potentially. maybe we maybe. said two, so yeah, yeah, three yeah. or four, and now you're looking at all that other stuff needs to happen in a matter of five seconds. I think that that play is. I think it's. Ravens win right there. This just makes it even more brutal. Why are we doing this? Because it makes it even more painful that it wasn't even going to go to overtime probably if they make that stop. I know. It's bad. Oh. Oh. All right. This is a heartbreaking week. Yeah. Is this the worst loss since the Super Bowl? What do you think? I've gone back and forth on this, and I've thought about it a lot in dark moments of my life. (laughs) (laughs) It's a follow-up question. Are these the darkest moments of your life? (laughs) Good question. Um... (laughs) I think that uh, I think so. The ones that we're really looking at, I, th- I think we probably would all agree that the most brutal loss was the 2011 AFC Championship. Yeah, Lee Evans, Billy Cundiff. We know the story. All right. Yeah. So then, since then, the other one that's kind of up for grabs is the 2014 division round playoff in New England, two 14 point leads in the second half. And I've gone back uh, and two 14 point leads. Period. Si- sorry, two 14 point leads. One of them being in, in the, the second, second half. half. Yes. Um, I think that this Steelers game was more heartbreaking than that. And it's really? close. It's it's really close. But the more I've thought about it, I give the the edge here to the Steelers game. The, the reason being a couple things. One, the fact that you had scored with 78 seconds left. You had come from behind and you score there with you know, a minute, minute 20 left in the game. 
So you think that you have the game won. So it's just this ultimate swing of emotions where they drove all the way down the field and you score. Then to have it kind of your heart ripped out over the next 78 seconds, I think, is absolutely brutal. You didn't have quite that. Anyway, you had close. You had close. The other I, thing, too. The thing, too, with the Steelers game is I thought as soon as there were 78 seconds left, I was like, too much time. Too much time. I thought it was probably a field goal situation. Yeah, you think I'm you're hoping, least... I'm hoping, can you keep them out of field goal range? That's yeah. the goal. Yeah, you think you're at worst you're going to You're going overtime. to OT, I know. That's what makes it especially brutal, too. And the Steelers don't have a great field goal kicker, so you're thinking maybe in this situation, you know, yeah, even if they kick a field goal, it could be a long field goal. True. So there's that. And then the other thing, too, is I think it's the whole, in 2014, you were closer to the Super Bowl, so you weren't quite as far removed. You still I won't say you still had that glow, but you were closer to it. The further you get from it, the tougher every loss gets. The further you get from it, the tougher every single loss gets. I'm sure. sorry. And and now you have the whole discussion of you missed the playoffs in three out of four years. Uh, you're a 500 team since the Super Bowl. All of that on top of it. In 2014, you didn't have that. You didn't have the, you know, the whole... What needs to change? Who's to blame? All that stuff. It was a. It was a. It, that that the loss in 2014. It was. I remember immediately. Like Kubiak came out with the. We have unfinished business. Yeah. You know. You felt coming off of that. Like all right, we were right there beating the Patriots by 14. Next year we're going to be in the Super Bowl kind of thing. Yeah. You feel like you could be right back there. It's not the same feeling this time. I, I don't. I think the Ravens could get back to this point of being. Oh, for sure. I'm just saying what the general feeling is. I I don't necessarily think that. This loss like dooms the Ravens, and that they're whatever you know that big sweeping changes need to be made. But I think there is a different feeling yeah, after this one, and I think it's because it's because of the whole the body of the last four years. I think that's mm-hmm. what I'm looking at. Is mm-hmm. you look at it, and now everybody knows you're going to have to be thinking about that, discussing that over the next you know three four months. I'm going to have to disagree though. I think the 2014 loss was more brutal. A, it's in the playoffs. Even if the even if the Ravens beat the Steelers on Sunday. It still didn't guarantee a playoff spot. It wasn't like that was it, you know. I mean, they still would have had to go into Cincinnati this week and beat the Bengals, which, like I said last week, would not be an easy task. It wouldn't be an easy task, but you're telling me you don't think if the Ravens had won that game and they're not playing A.J. Green and they're not playing Tyler Eifert and all that, that the Ravens were going to win that game. They're not playing Eifert? Yeah, Eifert's on IR. So they were going to win that game. They probably were going to win that game. Anyway, but it wasn't that wasn't for the division for the Ravens. I think that affects things. Also, it wasn't even in the playoffs. That was in the divisional playoffs. Yeah, but you're going to the AFC Championship game against the Colts. AFC Championship. 14-point lead. You at least get into the playoffs. You got the taste of the playoffs. You got that playoff bonus. You were in the playoffs like that. in 2014. Now, yeah, but it, you don't even get into the playoffs. So it hurts more to lose when you and not make the playoffs than it hurts to lose in the playoffs? When depends you come, on the situation. When you had a, the Super Bowl within two games, I think it two depends games on the, away. I think it depends on the situation. Dude, that 14-point loss was brutal. It was bad. They were rolling it over. We were in the press box warming up our putters for <laughs> Arizona. We were getting ready. Let's so, move on because this story, is this, – well. well, let's go to a happier times here. Psych. Story <laughs> time. Why don't you tell the story of – I think everybody wants to know. You know, you went to Pittsburgh for Christmas. I stayed home uh, with my family. And uh, so I think probably you've gotten this question a million times. What was the locker room like? What was it like after the loss? Yeah. So go ahead and tell I, the story. Well, or just you can also set, expand it to the sideline. You were on yeah, the sideline. Yeah, I'll set the scene. I mean, it just was, I think, is the locker room after the game was the most, uh, and this is maybe part of the reason why I feel like it was the most heartbreaking loss since that 2011. Fresh. Yeah. Well, certainly it's fresh. Um, and I was in the locker room after the 
14 game too against New England. But I think this was just the most down locker room that I've seen since that AFC championship. And it was basically silent in there. And a lot of times when you have a tough loss, guys get out of there in a hurry. They come in, they shower, they get out of there pretty quickly. They're not sticking around for reporters. Nobody was really like rushing out of the locker room. You had a lot of the veterans still changing, but that almost made it more painful. Like 30 minutes after the game, Steve Smith was basically just staring into his locker in full uniform, not talking to anybody. And, like, that's a tough scene to walk in there. I walked in there after the Harbaugh presser, the Flacco presser, CJ, and Juice. You walk in the locker room, Steve is still in full uniform, just basically staring at his locker. Like, that was a tough scene. You had Suggs and Doomerville basically doing the same thing. And nobody's talking. Like, and then you have this group of reporters just standing in the middle of the room and didn't want to talk to – none of the reporters wanted to go up and approach any of these guys because it was like – it was like a funeral, man. It was like nobody wanted to talk. And you could, you could hear a pin drop in there. Um, that that kind of st- sticks with you. It's a weird, weird feeling. Glad I wasn't there. It was not fun, I man. I was sitting at home being like, I am glad I am not there right now. Yeah. It was, I mean, no one's, as you'd expect, no one's in there laughing. These guys take it seriously. Sometimes well, you hear course, fans yeah. Ask, you know, like, do they really care? Like, let me tell you, when, if you walked in that locker room and you saw the, the attitude and the reaction of those guys after that loss, you can tell that game mattered. They cared. For sure. And sometimes I feel like we've gone in there and you have guys that are angry or, or whatever. Like, this yeah. sounds like it was just more depressed. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, after the Jets game this year, it was a pretty salty locker room. Yeah. But that was more of, like, an anger, I felt like. Yeah. Like, ticked off. This one just was, like... Because you knew it was done. It was over. It was over. And uh, everybody felt that. Yeah. Ooh, brutal. All right, so moving forward. There's still one game left to play here. Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, John Harbaugh on Monday said, you know, we're going to win this game. What to you does this Cincinnati game mean? It's, I don't know. I mean, it's tough to really get excited about it, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. Yes. Y- you know, like, <laughs> uh, what does it mean? I don't think it means much. I don't think it means anything. I think it means you have one game left on the season and you know the coaches do what they do because that's they try to go and win a game. You understand that? Players, you know, they try to go and win a game. I th- I think that the Ravens are going to play hard and they're going to treat it as such. But like what does it mean? It doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. To me, I think it's a game where you start evaluating for 2016. And I right. think Harbs even said that at the end of last year. Yeah. He said we're in evaluation mode now. To me, it's one game, so you can't get a ton of evaluation, but get as much as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. That's how I kind of look at it. And I understand you want to win within that for sure. And for players, heck, you you can't step out on the football field, on the NFL field, and not give it your all, or you're going to get hurt. You go out there and and play pity-patty football, you're going to get hurt. So so, so when you you say evaluation, are you saying play young guys? Yes. I I don't think injured guys... Terrell Suggs, Marciana, I, I just don't see much reason for them to play in this game. Mm-hmm. Unless they say to, you know, Harbs or whoever, I want to play. If, I, if they say that to me, I'm not going to hold them out. But I'm not going to push them to play. Yeah. Uh, and, I, you know, Chris Moore, let's see what you got. Judon, you're playing the whole game for Suggs in an NFL regular season game. Yeah. See what you got. How about this? There's, a, there's another school of thought that says, all right, you know, this game doesn't have any playoff implications. Higher draft pick, higher draft pick. Convince me why you should not tank it in this game. Because you could go, you could go. It's hard to know exactly where the Ravens would be if they lost, because you don't know what else is going right. to happen around them. But it could be a difference of like 
a pick in the like 13 range-ish, you know, or closer to 20? You know, do you, is it worth it to lose and say get the 13th pick or win and you finish with a winning season um, and you fight all the way to the end, but then you end up with the 19th pick? Not really. Uh, A, and I don't even know how you tank it. Like, I think that if you play some of these younger guys, like I'm saying, and, and you lose because of it, like, okay, whatever. You were in evaluation mode and you lost the game. It's kind of a, maybe yeah. a win-win or whatever. But, like, you can't just say, hey, guys, tank it. Lose the game. That's impossible. Yeah. Um, so I think you play to win, but you don't necessarily try out all those guys. Um, the interesting one is Flacco. What if Flacco said, I don't think he's going to, but I, I think he'll play. Yeah. But if he said, eh, you know. I don't think you would do that. I don't think you yeah. would either. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I'm not a big believer in the tank it thing. I was more last year when the Ravens were in position, do you have the sixth pick or the third pick in the draft? Mm-hmm. Because I think there's a, a small amount of blue chip prospects every single year that come out. And if you are right on the cusp of that and you're in a meaningless game in Week 17, put me on the right side of that because some of those guys can be franchise makers, difference makers for years to come. I would have liked to have gotten Joey Bosa. Mm-hmm. That would have been nice to be at number three and gotten that guy. He's been a horse this year. But here's the thing. Ronnie Stanley has almost convinced me of the opposite argument. So yeah. I argued for that last year. But then number six, you pick Ronnie Stanley, and he's been pretty darn good. you yeah. know. And like He looks like he's going to be a franchise left he's tackle. He's going to be a great player, I think, for this team. So I, I look at it this year, and I say, whatever. If you end up with the 18th pick or 20th pick versus the 13th pick, you see pro bowlers at 20 and, and complete busts at 13. Yeah. And, and vice versa. Sometimes you see you know the opposite. It's, I think once you get outside those blue chip prospects, the first round to a, lot, to a large degree is kind of a mixed bag. You're going to hit some, you're going to miss some. Yeah. I think too, and this was my point last year, is there's something to be said for a winning culture. And I think that that yeah. does have a carryover effect. If the Ravens were to go out there and say, all right, guys, we're just mailing this in because we want a higher draft pick, I think that that kind of sticks with you. And when you have like young players and you have a young team, yeah. then they're going to say, like, oh, you know. All right, when it doesn't mean that much, we don't have to play as hard. Yeah. Well, what happens next season when you're in a Week 7 game or whatever against a weak opponent and you're 6-1 yeah. you know, and one, or whatever, or six and zero, oh, and you're like, "Oh, this game, we're gonna roll them over. We don't have to play that hard." Yeah, it's a, you want a culture of winning and a culture of working hard at all costs. And the Ravens have established that, and I think it would, you know, there undermine is, that. Yes. The other thing too that I think is probably the best part about this game, I think it's going to be the Steve Smith show. You know, oh, this is most sure. likely his last game. I was actually talking with somebody about this. I think this could be like his Kobe Bryant game. This could be, you know, like he goes out there, just give him the ball every like, single play, throw him the ball twenty times. Just get the ball in his hands as much as possible because he's not going to want to go down easy. He's going to go out there and put it all on the line, assuming this is his last game. And he, he that's going to be the reason to watch. That is, is the reason to watch. Is Patrick playing? Uh, I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. boy. This is going to get feisty. Seriously, I hope there's not a body left on the field after this game <laughs> with Steve's last game. Oh, my goodness gracious. That is the biggest thing I'm excited about watching in Very this game. True. You know, he's going to go out there and put it all on the line. And uh, that right there is reason enough to tune in. Yeah. So make sure you do tune in this Sunday. Uh, we'll both be there covering this game. And uh, it, should, it should be interesting to watch Steve go out. So thank you very much for listening. Once again, you can email us at thelounge at ravens.nfl.net. And tune in all offseason. Don't let this be your final podcast here. 
Uh, a, we're going to try to get Ronnie Stanley on later this week. Yeah. Talk about his rookie season. Uh, you know, we just kind of pumped him up a little bit. Yeah. So maybe we'll tell him we did that. Yeah. Get him on the pod. And, uh, you know, get a podcast bump for his sophomore year. There we go. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. Keep tuning in. We'll be back with you later this week.